Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. If you've got your Bibles, uh, turn with me to 2 Timothy, okay? So it's in the New Testament, kind of towards the end, 2 Timothy. Now, 2 Timothy, you have, to, you have to get a little background information to really understand what is going on, okay? Uh, 2 Timothy was written by a guy named Paul. Uh, I talked about him. Uh, Paul was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was a staunch Jew, kept all of the law. One of these that walked around patting himself on the back and wanting everybody else to pat him on the back and self-righteous and, and all of this stuff. Well, he has an encounter with 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 Jesus, and Jesus changes his mind, and, and, and now Paul is sent to the Gentiles, which is, which is in, in the Jewish world, there's Jews and there's Gentiles. Jews were God's chosen people, and then there was everybody else, and everybody else was a Gentile, okay? So Paul has been sent to the Gentiles to spread the good news. While Paul is writing 2 Timothy, it is the last words of Paul, okay? This is the last letter he ever wrote. Right now, while he's writing this, he is in a Roman dungeon. The next time Paul's eyes see the sun, it's when they're going to chop his head off. And that's exactly what happens. They chop his head off for spreading the good news. And later on in 2 Timothy, Paul says, I am already being poured out like like my blood is being poured out already. Because he knows that once his head's chopped off, all of his, I mean, that's pretty rank. But I want you to get the picture of, Paul writing this and what he's been through, he writes two-thirds of the New Testament, and most of it is from prison. You know, a lot of times people can say, well, why would God allow Paul to be put in prison? Well, sometimes you got to slow down so you can write some letters, I reckon. I think a lot of us could use a slowdown before we get to prison. Uh, But Paul is in a Roman prison, and the next time he sees the sun, they're going to chop his head off. And what transpires is Paul's second letter to Timothy where he teaches him how to do something. And I'm going to use an old word. Uh, I, I, I kind of like words because uh, they certain words just, just, just mean something more. You know, I, I think the English language especially is kind of slack. You know, we, we use the same word for love as Jesus as Cheetos. Okay, I love Cheetos. I love Jesus. You know, the, 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 the Greek uses like seven different words for love. Okay. And um, there's a word that was very popular in the 1800s. You can go and do these word searches and everything, and it was very, very prominent in the, in the 1800s and even into the 1700s, but it kind of peaked around 1850, and then there was just a decline. And that word is dauntless, D-A-U-N-T-L-E-S-S, dauntless. And what it means is incapable of being intimidated or subdued. Think about that. Incapable of being intimidated or subdued. And that is the purpose of Paul's letter to Timothy. Now, Timothy, you have to understand, is uh, is a frail, sickly, young preacher. 
And what you have is these old Pharisees that challenge him and, you know, kind of like the old elder boards at church or something, you know. They think because they older, they're older, they know better. And, and, and Timothy, he, he's got a gift from God, but, man, he, he, he's kind of afraid. He's not being confident. He's not really speaking up. He's not really doing his purpose, what God called him to do. So Paul, in his last letter ever written, is using this to teach Timothy how to be dauntless or incapable of being intimidated or subdued. We pick up where Paul starts this conversation after his little salutation. We pick up in verse 6 where, where Paul says, This is why I remind you, okay, this is where I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Now, that, that self-discipline, it doesn't translate well from, from the Greek because self-discipline sounds like, like it's our work that we do, that's our responsibility. But this is more like a steadfastness, okay, to persevere, a, 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 an ability to keep going and not quit, okay? If you're, if you're not going to quit, you, you do need some self-discipline. But here's the thing. Paul reminds Timothy that he has a spiritual gift and that he should not forget to use it. We all have a purpose, and, and our gifts are related to those purposes. And just like Ty talked about, man, sometimes we are so removed from God. Like he talked about, some people are so removed from agriculture that they don't, you know, they think their, their, their meat comes from the store. You know, and they think that cows are dairy cows and, 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 and all of this stuff. But I think that we, too, sometimes forget our purpose in God. And Paul reminds Timothy that he has a spiritual gift and he shouldn't forget to use it. He also reminds him that God's people aren't supposed to be scared and timid, but dauntless, incapable of being intimidated or subdued. Man, that's such a good word. Incapable of being intimidated or subdued. But this dauntless spirit of power, love, and steadfastness or a never-quit attitude or perseverance or whatever word works best for you in your mind, uh, but this spirit of power, love, and steadfastness isn't something we have. It's something we borrow, okay? I want you to, I want you to listen to this. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline of steadfastness, because you see, it is not through willpower, self-help, practice, or ability that you get those three things, power, love, and self-discipline, power, love, steadfastness, power, love, uh, never quit, attitude. You don't, you, you can't become good at those things, okay? This isn't one of the things that, it, that is done through willpower alone. If I, if, I just, if I just concentrate really hard and I work really hard, then I will have power, love, and steadfastness. It's not going to work. You, you may do it like Ty was talking about being happy. You may be able to do it for a minute, but then you're going to fall right off because it is only given to us to use through the Holy Spirit. You're not going to find it anywhere else. The Holy Spirit lends us this power, this love, this steadfastness, this strength to persevere, to keep going. It's not ours. We do not draw it in up within ourselves. God's taken me out to the woodshed about the last 10 days over this very thing 
right here of depending on our own power. When I first started Save the Cowboy, man, I, I moved to a place that I'd been one time in my life to a town of about, what, 700 people or, or whatever, I don't even know, to start a cowboy ministry and everything I had faith, I had to depend upon God for everything. And then as Save the Cowboy grew, I started depending upon myself more and more and more and more. And, 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 and as you start depending on yourself, man, you start walking away from God. And eventually he's going to be saying, hey, man, come back over here. 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 And finally, he's going to walk up and hit you with a head in the two by four. Or at least that's what he did with me. He says, listen to me. It's not you that does this. And, and I wasn't trying to take the credit or anything. I was just depending upon myself and not depending upon God. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. We are given those things to use through the Holy Spirit, to borrow, okay? Now, I, I, I was, it, it's branding season, okay? We, I've had the opportunity to go to some good brandings, and there's still a few to uh, uh to happen, and, and what I think about in this instance is, you know, we, we keep, we say, oh, yeah, I went to a Brandon, yeah, we drug calves all day. Did you? Did you actually drag one calf to the fire? No, what you did is you rode your horse in there, you took a little piece of man-made rope, you swung it around your head a few times, you roped two hind feet, and you wrapped it around a saddle horn, and really, you didn't have much to do with it in the grand scheme of things, as far as strength and power and all of that goes. All the power and work is done by the horse, the rope, and the saddle. I mean, we, in the grand scheme of things, we expend very little effort whenever we're dragging calves. It's all done by something else, the rope, the saddle, the cinch, the, and, and there are lots of things that can go wrong, but very little of it is our power, but we borrow that power, that strength of that, that tree, the strength of that horn, the strength of the rope, the strength of the horse, we borrow all of that to serve a purpose. But it is not of ourselves. See, we play only a small part in the actual work. We are more or less the representative and user of the power and strength of the horse, rope, and saddle. And here's the thing. Top hands use it wisely. Top hands use it wisely. We are a representative and user of the power and strength of the horse, rope, and saddle, and top hands use it wisely. You know what happens whenever you depend upon yourself? One, uh, uh, you probably can't see them right now, but my hands are, are just a wreck because I, I'm still learning to dally, and, and, I, and I'm not very good at it. And one of the first things that happens whenever you start depending upon yourself instead of the horse, the rope, and the saddle is when you get something roped and that rope starts going out of your hand, you clamp down on it. And boy, you, if you've never smelt your own burning flesh, don't. Okay, But that's what happens whenever you depend upon your own strength. And, and, and I still do it to this day of, of roping something and then trying to pull it to the saddle horn to wrap the saddle around instead of just letting that old rope just go through there and wrap it around and let the horn stop it. Let the wrap, let, let God made all of these nice physics to work 
But too often, the first thing that, a, especially a new roper, or and I don't guess it even has to be a new roper, I think we all make the mistake sometimes, is, is just clamping down on something. And that's when we depend upon our own strength. And when we start depending upon our own strength, it only brings pain and scars as reminders of it's not our job to do this stuff. What transpires next after Paul says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but one of power, love, and steadfastness? Paul gives Timothy four commands on how to be dauntless, on how to be incapable of being intimidated or subdued. Because here's Timothy, man. He's this, he's this young, kind of weak, sickly, and, and you know, probably skinny, you know. I mean, I really relate to Timothy. Because, you know, there was one time that, uh, and, and obviously this is, this is a while back, but I, I sat at, at a family member's, a distant family member's like 80th birthday, and I sat across the table from some people, and uh, this lady looks at me and she goes, hi, how are you? I said, fine, how are you? And we kind of did some pleasantries and come to find out her husband was a pastor. I said, that's cool. She goes, what do you do? I said, I'm a pastor. And she goes, no, you're not. Yeah, exactly, you know? And I looked at her, and I, I kind of giggled because I thought she was joking, right? And I said, yeah, yeah, I am. And she said, no, you're not. I kind of looked at her, and I said, huh, why do you say that? She goes, you're not old enough to dress right. So I think this is kind of what Timothy was going through. Here's this young guy. He's not walking around in the big robes. You know, and all of this stuff, he's, he's trying to preach Jesus Christ. There's a lot of opposition in that day. And so Paul gives Timothy four commands on how to be dauntless, incapable of being intimidated or subdued. Number one, you know, he already lays the groundwork that that type of power cannot come from himself only through the Holy Spirit. But here's the four commands that follow. In verse 8, the very first part of verse 8, Paul tells Timothy, so never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. That's the first thing he tells Timothy after saying, man, once you receive this power, this is how you use it. This is, this is what you do. Never be ashamed to tell others about the, our Lord. But aren't we all the time? We're scared to share our faith sometimes. And, and it's usually those closest to us that, we're, that we have the best, uh, you know, maybe the biggest hesitation. But we don't need to be intimidated by adversity because that's what we fear is that if somebody knows how much we love Jesus, that they're going to think something about us or they're not going to treat us the same way or whatever. But Paul says, never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. And even as a preacher, I've been guilty of this. Never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. Don't be ashamed of who God called you to be. You know, there's the you that you show everybody. And then there's the real you. Never be ashamed of that real you. You start working on being that real you, uh, of, of, of taking all that falseness out. And, 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 and it's, not that, it's not that we're trying to lie to somebody, but we've been conditioned to act a certain way and say certain things and all of this stuff. Man, forget all of that. Never be ashamed to tell somebody about the Lord. Don't be intimidated by adversity and don't be ashamed of who God called you to be. A dauntless cowboy is never ashamed of who God called him to be. You be who God told you to be. You don't worry about anything else. You fear the Lord. Don't fear what other people think. The second thing 
that Paul commands Timothy to do, to be a dauntless cowboy, to be incapable of being intimidated or subdued, is he says in 2 Timothy 1, the second part of verse 8, he says, be ready to suffer with me for the sake of the good news. Be ready to suffer with me for the sake of the good news. You know, cowboying ain't easy. You know, everybody, everybody kind of, not, not everybody in here, I'm not saying that, but there's like this stigma associated with the cowboy. Will Rogers even said, you know, at some point in time, every single person out there has probably wanted to be a cowboy. But you know why not a lot of people are? Because they can't handle it. Because it's not easy. It's not all this trail riding and, you know, the cows don't, you know, come up and, and, and you know, put their rope in your loop so that you can choke them and, you know, all of this stuff. It's not easy. There's going to be some suffering that goes along with it. Some of it's self-induced. Some of it is just, I mean, stuff just happens sometimes. Cowboying for God. If cowboying ain't easy, cowboying for God is double tough. You, you, there, there's, you're going to suffer, you know, and if you, if you come to God because you've been hearing on the radio or something like that, that all you got to do is come to God and everything's going to be great and you're going to be happy and you're going to get a raise and, and all of this stuff, man, man, I, I believe in that, but that, that's only half of it because the other half of it is, is, is the suffering side, but the other side is what makes us strong. You will not find the narrow trail through comfort and ease, but by standing up for God, by standing up to the world. Man, when, when you stand up for God, you know what you do? You've been, flo- you've been going with the flow down the river. And then one day, you hear God's call in your life, and you're like, wait a minute. And you put your feet down. And all of a sudden, you can feel that current. You never felt the current before because you were just going with the flow, man. You was, a, you was in the inner tube with a cold silver can or whatever the case may be. Man, life was good. And then you hear God's call, and you stand up. And boy, boy, now you can feel that current. It's a lot faster and a lot stronger than what you, what you envisioned it to be. You didn't think you were getting anywhere, but you was going somewhere pretty fast, and I guarantee you it wasn't no place good. And then God said, turn around, come back, come back to me. That's what repentance is. And so you turn around, and you start walking up that stream, and man, it's one thing to stand up in the river. It's another to go up because you just came down some rapids because there, there's some hard times. That's what it's like. You will not find that narrow trail through comfort and ease, but by standing up for God and standing up to the world, by going upstream from the way the world works. When a dauntless cowboy stands up, he stands out, and when he stands out, you better be welcome. You better be ready to welcome the adversity because it's going to happen. Now, you know, most of the time it's just going to, at first it's real hard because you're not, you're not good at it yet. Okay, you don't know how to get your footing, and, and you don't have the muscle, the spiritual muscles yet and stuff. But as you continue to go along, you get a little stronger, and it gets a little bit easier, and then you get hit by the log. Knocks you down, you swallow a bunch of water, and you come up, and you're like, what in the world? But you keep going. You keep going. You keep going. But it's not by your power. For God did not give us a spirit of fear and timidity, but one of power, love, and steadfastness. The third thing that Paul says to do, he said, hold on to the pattern of wholesome teaching that you learned from me, a pattern shaped by faith and love that you have in Christ Jesus. He said, hold on to the pattern of wholesome teaching. In other words, do it the way God said. Do it the way God said. You know, scientific research has said that adversity comes from three places, bad luck, bad choices, or the hero's journey, okay? 
When he says here, hold on to the pattern of wholesome teaching you learned from me, he's saying, do it the way God said. And, and, and I guarantee you, e- even me, it's one of the things that I got took behind the woodshed for, was because I haven't been doing things the way God said to do them, and neither have you. You've got room to grow too. And, and, and I don't know what it is that you're doing or not doing, but you're doing things that's contrary to what God said. And he's saying here, man, you can't get that power, love, and steadfastness by doing it your way. You've got to do it God's way. That's the only way. Hold on to the pattern of wholesome teaching. He says, a pattern shaped by the faith and love that you have in Christ Jesus' faith. You know what a range fire is? Range fire cattle? Range fire cattle is a cross between a charlet and a red angus, okay? Faith is a range fire, kind of. You know what faith is to me? It's a cross between trust in God and hope in God. That's what faith is, trusting in God now and hoping that he's going to be there with you no matter what happens. Not just, you know, not just I hope things go well. We hope that, that what God said is true. And what he said is true. We trust in that. So when you combine trust and hope, that's what faith is. It's a range fire. It's, it, it's a cross. You got hybrid vigor right there. I made that up right then. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so faith is, is a cross between trust and hope. Love. You know what love is? Number one, love. God is love. That's what the Bible said. God is love. Okay? But you know what else it is? It's the conduit of power. Okay? I want you to think about that. It's the conduit of power. It is the electrical line that comes from God. He, he's the source of it. It flowed to Jesus, to the Holy Spirit, and to us, and to others. Okay? It's the conduit. Man, if you're cut off from love on either end, it doesn't work. It's not going to work, man. Do you, you, love is the power of God. Love is God. The Bible says that God is love. And if we're not receiving it from God and giving it to others, man, we're cut off. No wonder we're depressed. No wonder that we're, we're depending upon our own selves. No wonder we've got rope burns on our hearts and our souls. Hold on to the pattern of wholesome teaching you learned from me, a pattern shaped by the faith and love that you have in Christ Jesus. And before I give you the fir- fourth one, and this is it. I won't keep you any longer. In 2 Timothy 1.14... The very first part, Paul brings it back around, okay? He brings it back around, and he says, through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within us. Not through what you're good at, not through your talent, not through your abilities, not by your smooth talking, not by your finesse with a rope or a horse, not through anything now, Through the power of the Holy Spirit that lives within us, that's what he says. Before the final command on how Timothy can be dauntless, Paul reminds him of where the power comes from, and the only place it can come from is the Holy Spirit. You can't do any of these things on your own. It is all a result of the power, love, and steadfastness that comes from the Holy Spirit, not of ourselves. We can't practice it to make it better. It's it's not an ability that we're born with. It is a borrowed power. And the fourth thing, in verse 14, the second part of it, he says, carefully guard, carefully guard the precious truth that has been entrusted to you. Carefully guard the precious truth 
truth that has been entrusted to you. It's the fourth thing, to become dauntless, incapable of being intimidated or subdued. I think we all want to be dauntless, to have that confidence and that kindness, to be the best of both worlds, not for ourselves, but for God and for others. We must carefully guard the precious truth that has been entrusted to you. And what is that precious truth? It's a grace. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here's just a few of those precious truths. We are saved by what Jesus did, not by what we do. We are made right with God by what Jesus did, not by what we do. We are forgiven of every single sin by what Jesus did, not by what we do. We are made into the workmanship of God by what Jesus did, not by what we do. And we are made powerful, strong, resilient, and incapable of being intimidated or subdued by what Jesus did, not by what we do. That is a small part of what grace means. It's getting something that we don't deserve. You don't deserve all of that but it is free for you. It is available to you, but it does not come from you. Carefully guard the precious truth. Dauntless, incapable of being intimidated or subdued. God didn't give us a spirit of fear and timidity, but one of power, love, and steadfastness or self-discipline or a never-give-up attitude. We should never be ashamed of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, or telling others about him. We must be ready to suffer. Look, it's not going to be easy. I'm telling you now. And to tell you otherwise, as soon as it gets hard, you'll quit. Don't quit. Hold on to the pattern of wholesome teaching. Hold tight to that grace. It's not what you do. It's what Jesus does through you. And carefully guard that precious truth. And all of this power can only be done by the Holy Spirit. Remember, remember this. We are the representatives and user of the power of and strength of God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And a top-hand cowboy or a dauntless cowboy knows how to use it wisely. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, we ask to be renewed, re-strengthened, and remade in the image of your Son. Because of him, those of us who are dauntless by the power and might of the Holy Spirit have found grace and mercy for all time. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And I pray that those that are timid and fearful will come to you now and receive the power they're looking for, the love that they need, and the steadfastness through the Holy Ghost to not quit. Forgive us where we failed you, Lord. Look out for us as we ride that narrow trail for you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have you ever dreamed of being a cowboy? Do you long to ride for the brand? If you're one of those rare individuals, then we at Save the Cowboy have something just for you. We believe that you are capable of more than you ever imagined. We are offering you the chance to ride for the Lord and save the Cowboys Long X Ranch. We can show you how to be stronger, go further, and ride harder than you ever thought possible. And you know what? We just happen to have a spot for a cowboy. You ready to saddle up? A Long X Ranch Cowboy is a person wanting to take their relationship with God to the next level. Our Cowboys strive to live a life worthy of their calling and help save the Cowboy gather the lost and bring back those that have strayed away. Are you ready to take the outside? If so, go to SaveTheCowboy.com and sign up today. We'll be waiting on you.